This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Once again, we feature the dark side for another peek behind the scary curtain labeled Suspense. It was a radio drama series broadcast on CBS from 1940 through 1962, a pretty long run. One of the premier drama programs of the golden age of radio, it was subtitled Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills and focused on suspense thriller-type scripts, usually featuring leading Hollywood actors of the era. Now, suspense went through several major phases, characterized by different hosts, sponsors, and director-producers. Formula plot devices were followed for all but a handful of episodes. The protagonist was usually a normal person suddenly dropped into a threatening or bizarre situation. Solutions were withheld until the last possible second, and evildoers were usually punished in the end. And here's an intriguing note. The final broadcasts of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, and Suspense, ending at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on September 30th of 1962, are often cited as the end of the golden age of radio. Well, this show entitled Green-Eyed Monster was first heard back in 1947. And now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Lloyd Nolan in Green-Eyed Monster, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those better-tasting California wines enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. For friendly, entertaining, for delightful dining. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant. As Roma Wines bring you Lloyd Nolan in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! I got to sleep pretty late. I'd been reading a book about the Civil War, and I got interested in the section on Gettysburg. There was some material there I hadn't known about. I didn't sleep very well, even after I had turned off the bed light. You know, when you're accustomed to having someone else in the house, it's the sort of an uneasy feeling to know that you're alone. I remember hearing the clock in the front room strike four. Then I must have fallen asleep. I was dreaming, as I recall it, about a very bloody battle between the blue and the gray. When the alarm clock went off, it was set for seven because I knew I'd had a busy day ahead. It took me a little while to realize what it was because in the dream at that moment, I'd invented a bell that scared the opposing forces right off the field. Oh, it is nice and quiet then. 
I lay warm in bed for a while, trying to remember my dream and not succeeding. When I did remember that I was alone in the house, that Margaret wasn't there to wake me up if I dozed off for just a few more minutes. I'd just gotten out of bed when the telephone made a loud early morning noise. I shoved my feet halfway into some slippers and muttered down the hallway. Uh, yeah. Sorry to disturb you. Is this Michael Dawson? Uh, a little early, but I think so. Do you drive a Pontiac convertible license number 99R479? Uh, yes. Where's your car now, Mr. Dawson? It's right in front of the house. What's up? Will you look and see if it's there? Say, uh, who is it? Police Department, Sergeant O'Connor. Oh, well, uh, just a minute. I thought it's awfully early in the morning for this to happen. It's awfully hard to think clearly when you haven't had a cup of coffee or a cigarette. I walked to the front window and... My car wasn't there. And I went back to the phone, still thinking how hard it is to think clearly when it's early in the morning. Uh, hello? Yeah, right here, Mr. Dawson. It's gone, the car. I just wanted to be sure. Your car was stolen last night, Mr. Dawson. It's pretty badly banged up. You insured? Well, I think so. I don't know. I suggest you report the theft to the insurance company and come down to the police garage with a pink owner's slip. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll be down as soon as I can. I got dressed, made coffee, drank it, had a cigarette, and I called Tommy Castle, my insurance man. I told him that the Pontiac had been stolen and what the cop had told me to do, and he said he'd drive me down to the garage. I had the pink slip on the desk, and I took it with me. It was a quarter to eight when Tommy picked me up in front of the house. We drove down to the police station and started walking around to the garage. You don't need to worry, Mike. You're very well covered. Now, aren't you glad that you took all the insurance I recommended? Well, I suppose so. Because you're very well covered. Well, that's swell, but if it's completely wrecked, where am I going to get another car? Ah, they can probably fix it like new, and it won't be long before the market will be flooded with new cars. Uh, uh, Mr. Dawson? Yes. Sergeant O'Connor. Oh. Car's over there, Mr. Dawson. Where? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I see. Pretty smashed up. Now, let's look it over very closely, Mike. Mm-hmm. What a mess. Well, I... It serves me right for leaving it out in the street all night. Now, never would have happened if my wife had been home. No, Margaret is more thorough than you are, Mike. Is uh, Mrs. Dawson a blonde about five feet three? Oh, yeah. Why, do you know her? Yeah. Is that your wife, Mr. Dawson? Stuffed in the trunk of the car was Margaret. She was wearing the same dress she'd had on the day, Tuesday it was, the day she'd gone to visit her mother. The whole scene was very clear. I can remember easily. Her face was smudged, and I thought she wouldn't like to be seen with her face dirty. And her clothes were badly rumpled. And just below the left shoulder blade, sticking up straight from her back, was the handle of a brass letter opener. I started to weave a little then. Hey, you all right, Mr. Dawson? Easy, Mike, easy. Come over here and sit down. No, I'm, I'm all right. Please, I'm all right. Sorry, I told you that way, but we had reasons. Reasons? Well, it seems to me that you could have been a little well, who more... Who could have of... done it? Who wanted to kill Margaret? She got a few little fords the same as all of us who were on a kill of one of them. Here, now, here. Come on, sit down, sit down. Looks like our local Jack the Ripper again. Stabbing the whole general setup. She never did anyone any harm. You better take him home. In a minute, in a minute. Let him sit here a while. Oh, my God. 
Poor little blonde mug. <laughs> did that pretty well, don't you think? Because I wasn't surprised at all. I'd planned the whole morning. I didn't think it would all happen that early, but I knew it would happen. You see, I had stolen my car and left it wrecked for the police to find. And in the trunk of my car, I'd stuffed the body of my wife, Margaret, who I had stabbed in the back at 4.30 Tuesday afternoon. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Lloyd Nolan in Green Eyed Monster. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Lloyd Nolan as Michael Dawson and Kathy Lewis as his wife Judy in Green Eyed Monster. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I was, of course, the prime suspect in the murder of my wife, Margaret. The only thing was that there had been a series of crimes in my neighborhood during the last couple of months. Crimes that all followed a general pattern. And since I was clever enough to fix Margaret's murder so that the death was as neat as the others had all been, it was decided at the coroner's inquest that the murder had been committed by a person or persons unknown, by which they meant the Jack the Ripper character that was running around loose. And I wasn't held. I waited a decent week after it was all over. And then I called Judy. My Judy. Oh, she was so beautiful. She was tall and brunette and willowy and beautiful. With the loveliest green eyes you ever saw. She answered the phone right away and said she'd be right over. Come in, honey. You're the most beautiful thing in the world. I'll bet you say that to all the girls. Come here. Nice. Really, everybody in the street will see it. Oh, it's okay. Say, where'd you get that dress? An old aunt gave it to me. It didn't fit her anymore. Mm-hmm. It fits you. Thank you. Come on in. In the kitchen. Have you a new recipe for poached eggs? No, I want to tell you something. A story, Mike, sir? A story. A beautiful story about a lovely brunette and a guy who's nuts about her. Who could you mean? Come here, will you? Yeah. You're very friendly today. Well, you shouldn't have worn that dress. This is the way it affects you. I wear it all the time. Have you missed me? Sure. Have you missed me a lot? Naturally. You love me, don't you? Of course I love you. You rehearsing for your bar exam? Come on. Sit down there. All righty, I'll sit down here. A cup of coffee? A cup of coffee. Okay. There you are. Don't you want some? Uh-uh, no. Sworn off? No, I... I have something to tell you. I'm sorry about your wife. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was quite a blow. <laughs> I'll bet. What do you mean by that? I thought you said you loved me. Well, I do. Then you aren't too sad about Margaret, are you? Well, it's... Well, it's a 
shame that she had to end up that way. You know how those things are. Give me a kiss and stop talking so much. Ah, new perfume? Mm-hmm. Where'd you get it? Oh. Where'd you get it? Well, really, do you own me or something? I want to know where you got that perfume. Sit down and relax. What's the matter with you? I ought to slap your face. You do, and I'll slap you right back. Judy, I love you. Of course you do. Well, that's what I want to know. I get jealous. Naturally. Do you love me? Sure. You you don't act like you love me. You want me to gaze at you with great fawn eyes? No, no, of course not. What do you want? I want you to tell me that you love me. Why? Because I... Go on. Well, I've proven how much I want you. I... I think that you should return the feeling. How have you? Have what? Proven how much you want me. Why, by telling you over and over again that I love you, by loving you more than Margaret. Why? By killing Margaret? What? You heard me. What makes you think I killed Margaret? Didn't you? Now look, Judy. This is a pretty tough way to treat Didn't you? Yes. Then I love you. Kiss me, Mike. She loved me. She really loved me. That's all I cared about. All I could think about. Oh, she was so wonderful. She just... We got a little house in Glendale and were married out there where nobody knew us. And then that first evening, the first hour almost, that we were alone together in our own home, somebody came to the door. Well, it was Tommy Castle. He barged in. He talked and I, talked you know, about insurance. And uh, yours too, Mrs. Dawson. That's why... Well, that's why I feel it's my privilege. Yes, my duty to talk to you this yeah. way. Now, uh, <clears throat> I'm the last one in the world who wants to stir up any unhappy memories, but... Well, if you remember, Mike, I urged you repeatedly to take out a joint life insurance policy on yourself and on your... Uh, well, that is the farmer... You uh, mean Margaret. Uh, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, you know what happened? What happened, Mr. Castle? Why, he never took out the insurance. And so when Margaret, uh, when the, uh, 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 I mean, she simply wasn't insured. Maybe that's just as well, Mr. Castle. Well, I, I'm afraid I don't follow you, Mr. Well, Castle. if Mike had collected any insurance when Margaret was killed, those silly policemen, you know how they are. They, they might have thought Mike had what, some Judy? reason. Well, uh, as I was saying, now, you two are just married. A whole new life ahead for you, and now is the time to think about the future. Now, listen, I don't like this whole conversation. This is no way to talk to a man on his wedding day. Oh, but, Mike, that's where you're wrong, my boy. This is just the way to talk to a man on his wedding day. Now, can I talk to you for just a second, Mike? Five no, 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 please. Please don't go, Mrs. Dawson. This will only take a second. Now, listen, Tommy, this is our wedding Mike, day. Mike, Mike, listen. You ought to sign an application on Judy's life. Why, do you know how many women are killed in automobile accidents every year? And here, here in Los Angeles, this, uh, this Jack the Ripper character only kills women, you know? Why, I all right, all right, let me sign it. And please, Tommy, will Why, sure, sure. Yeah, there we are. Uh, of course, you'll have to take a physical examination, but that'll be nothing to a youngster like you, you know. Folks, I can't tell you how much this is going to mean to you when... Uh, what did I do with my hat? Oh, yeah, there, there it is, there it is. I can't tell you how Mr. much this Castle, is going... Huh? Are you going straight back into town? Oh, uh, yes, yes, I am. Uh, anything I can do? I think I'll ride in with you, if what? you don't mind. Well, yeah, I'd be delighted. Oh, Judy. I'm sorry, Mike. I forgot to tell you. An old girlfriend of mine called me today. She's in town just for one night, and I told her I'd see her. But, Judy, it's... it's I know, but just one of those things here. Are we ready, Mr. Castle? Uh, Yeah, ready? Sure, sure, I'm ready. Don't worry, darling. Don't wait up. 
I just stood there. I didn't know what to say or what to do. A wedding night. I moved the curtain aside and watched her go down the walk with Tommy. She was holding onto his arm real tight, too tight. She smiled up at him. I went into the living room and tried to read Sandberg's Lincoln. It's quite a book, five big volumes. Oh, but I couldn't read. By midnight, I was in a blind rage. I was going to get in the car and go look for her. I, I was going to call the police. And a minute later, I was in a cold sweat of fear that something might have happened to her. And then back to a blind, scalding jealousy again. Finally, it got to be 3.30 in the morning. Is that you, Tommy? Huh? Oh. Oh, Mike, I, I just came in. I heard the phone ringing and ran up the stairs. I'm a little out of breath. Where's Judy? Huh? Judy? Oh, you mean the missus? What? I don't know. Didn't she? Where did you see her last? Why, I... I let her out at sunset and western, and that was about... Oh, no, uh... you did, did you? Oh, of course I did. Good gosh, Mikey, you don't think that I... Uh... Hello, darling. I told you not to wait up. It's four o'clock in the morning. I know, darling. I'm sorry. Poor Ethel wanted to talk about her troubles. I just couldn't bear to leave. Oh, it's my coffee. Poor Ethel. This was our wedding night. Darling, you're white as a sheet. You're trembling. But sure I am. Wondering about it this hour and this... This Jack the Ripper character. What was that? Where have you been? What have you been doing? I just told you. Ethel, darling. Now, listen to me. What... Now, darling, you listen to me. You're not going to try to run my life for me, are you? Your life? I'm thinking about our life. I'm thinking about the... Mike, that's what I'm thinking about, our life. And that's not all I'm thinking about. Well, all right, then. I'm thinking about Margaret. Margaret? You mustn't be like this, darling. You must promise me not ever again. Because I don't think Margaret would like it. She couldn't have made it much plainer, could she? And that's the way it was. From then on, my life was a nightmare. Someone you're crazy in love with and crazy jealous of. Wondering where they are, who they're with. Not able to do a thing about it. Sometimes I'd think it was getting better. It was going to be all right. She'd stay at home for days at the stretch or a couple of weeks. And then it would begin all over again. She'd just take the car and go. Always some girlfriend, she said... <laughs> girlfriend. Well, finally, I guess I did go a little crazy. I had to know one way or the other. So one night when she was getting ready to go out, I went to the garage. I jimmied the lock on the trunk compartment of the car so she couldn't be snapped shut again, and I crawled in, pulled the lid down after me. It must have been crazy because it never even crossed my mind until I was lying in there all scrunched up in the dark about the last time anybody'd been in there. I mean, Margaret. quite a while. It almost seemed as though she was just cruising around. I mean, not not heading for any place in particular. Finally, she stopped. I heard her get out of the car and go in somewhere. When I was sure she had gone, I cracked the lid of the trunk open and looked out. It was dark. She was going into a crummy little cafe. She was in there a long time. And when she came out, there was somebody with her. It was a girl. There we are. No trouble. I'll drive you home. 
kind of a long way. I could get a taxi. I don't mind. Go ahead, get in. Well, thanks. So it was a girl, Frank. This time, anyway. And then the car was stopping. I cracked the lid of the trunk again. It was a nice night. The convertible top was down, and I heard it all. But this isn't the way. Why are we stopping? You'll find out. Get out. Get out? Don't argue. Get out. Say, if this is your idea of a joke or something, all I can say is... Oh. As the car roared off, I had a glimpse of it lying there by the road, the girl's body with a knife in the back, dead. After the car was back in the garage, it seemed as though I lay in that dark trunk for hours, shaking, trembling all over. After a while, I crawled out of the trunk, all cramped and stiff, and went into the house. And there she was, in bed. She looked at me with those half-closed eyes. Those lovely, lovely green eyes. And then she turned over with a little sigh and was fast asleep. As I lay there in bed staring into the darkness, the only answer that seemed to make any sense was that I was losing my mind because of what I'd done to Margaret, maybe. That I'd imagined the whole thing the next morning, there it all was in the papers. More murder pictures. Fiend strikes again. Fiend. That was my Judy. My lovely, wonderful Judy. The woman I was in love with. From then on, I watched her like a Day and night, I never let her out of my sight. I hardly slept at all. I did things like letting the air out of the tires so she couldn't use the car. Like hiding everything in the whole house that was sharp or pointed. Knives, ice picks, scissors, letter openers. And Judy, she was wonderful. Calm, serene. Apparently without the faintest idea of what was in my mind. I watched her. And I began to think what I had before. Somehow it must have been a terrible mistake. That was what I was thinking last night. Here we are. I brought you some tea and Melba toast, darling. Oh. You're looking better, I think. Well, thanks. Thanks, Judy. By the way, whatever happened to that letter opener? The new one we used to have on the desk. The, uh, the what? The letter opener. What do you want it for? Open letters, silly. First of the month, there's a stack of bills in there that high. You're, you're not thinking of going out, are you? You don't know where that letter opener is? No. No, I don't. I guess I can find something else that will do just as well. I had the letter open, of course, but I I didn't tell her. I didn't dare. I could feel it inside my inside pocket as I lay there on the couch in the den where I could watch the front hall and the living room door. I heard her fussing around upstairs for a while and then she came down, and I I heard the back door close. She was going to the garage. As I got up, I could feel the letter opener pressing against my side. 
was a terrible pain in my head. I don't know exactly what happened after that. And the next thing, the phone was ringing and it was morning. I got up off the couch and I stumbled out into the hall to answer. I'm always groggy in the morning, but before I've had my coffee and a cigarette, but this morning it was as though I'd been drugged or something. I couldn't think at all. Hello. Mr. Dawson? Michael Dawson? Yeah, yeah. You drive a Pontiac convertible license number 99R479? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the number. Why? Well, we've got your car, Mr. Dawson. Your insurance agent, Mr. Castle's down here already. Oh, yes. We'd like you to come down here right away and bring your pink owner's slip. Oh, wait. Uh, who's this? This is the police department. I was still pretty much in a fog when I got down there. I couldn't quite figure things out. My car must have been stolen again. Really stolen this time. Wrecked, I suppose. And where was... Where was Judy? Maybe she'd wrecked it. Or maybe they'd caught her. No, but then they'd have told me about it, not just asked about the car. Tommy met me outside. He must have been waiting for me. How are you feeling, old man? I... All right, I guess. Uh, I'm afraid you're in for kind of a shock. Why, is it pretty bad? Pretty bad. Oh, there he is now. Mr. Dawson? Yes. Come this way, please. Is, uh, that your car, Mr. Dawson? Yes. Yes, but it, it isn't wrecked. There doesn't seem to be anything the matter with it at all. Lift up the trunk, will you, Sergeant? Yes, sir. <gasps> she was lying in there with her head twisted around. Staring at me with those lovely, sightless green eyes. Dead. Judy. My Judy. And the letter opener was in her back. Come around in a minute. Better get a stenographer in. He'll probably want to make a statement now. You all right now, old man? Yeah, sure. Well, you can't pay the insurance, of course, you know. You understand that. Insurance? Uh, the life insurance on, on duty. But I'll get your lawyer to do anything I can. Lawyer? Don't you think you're going to need one, Mr. Dawson? Oh, I'll take care of all of that. One accident, that's one thing. But two, two wives, both in your car. Now there's your letter opener with your fingerprints on it. It won't go, Mr. Dawson, not anymore. Oh. And then, of course, there are all the others, seven of them, that you killed in the last three months. That I killed? Now, now, Mr. Dawson, you're not going to give us any trouble, are you? No. No. No, I'm not going to give you any trouble. Well, I guess... I, I guess I killed her all right, and I must have. I didn't kill the others, of course, but I confessed to them I was glad to. I'd rather have them think that it was me than Judy. My beautiful, green-eyed Judy. Well, I've, I've got lots of... Time to read. I'm almost through the third volume now of that Life of Lincoln. Only two more volumes to go. They're pretty long, pretty thick, but I think I'll make it just about.
Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Roma. America's favorite wine. This is Truman Bradley bringing back for a curtain call our suspense star of the evening, Lloyd Nolan. Lloyd, ever since I saw you in Lady in the Lake, I've been wanting to ask you how you liked acting directly into the camera. You know, talking and looking right at the lens as if it were an individual. Well, I, I really, I enjoyed it, but it was a little tough. Acting is easier when you're talking to another person. It sort of helps to watch his reaction, see his expressions change as you deliver the lines. You know? Well, Lloyd, if you like to watch reactions, just try this idea, will you? To see your friend's expressions reflect pleasant anticipation... Serve them Roma Californian Sherry from this hamper of Roma wine. Mm. Yours to enjoy with the compliments of Roma, the greatest name in wine. Well, thanks, Truman. I will. I'm sure you'll find, as I do, that everyone enjoys Roma Sherry. For this golden amber, fragrant wine with its tempting nut-like taste is so good so many ways. Roma Sherry is the perfect first call to dinner, the ideal start to a pleasant meal every day. And Roma Sherry is delightful and right for friendly entertaining any time. That's right, Truman. Roma Sherry is always the best of taste. Yes, Roma Sherry does taste better. Because Roma selects the better tasting wines from the world's greatest wine reserves. That accounts for the delightful difference in Roma wines. The fuller bouquet, richer body, and the better taste. That's why more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Three very good reasons, Truman. Well, thank you and good night. Lloyd Nolan appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of The Late George Apley. Tonight's suspense play was written by Elliot Lewis and Robert Richards. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Richard Conte as star of Suspense. Produced and directed by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a show that starred the real-life married couple Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with I See the Moon at Noon. Why should I wax my floors? What does the wax really do for them? Well, that's a good fundamental question, and I can answer it very clearly. Have you ever rubbed an apple to make it shine? Do you realize that what made it shine was a thin coat of wax with which nature protects fruit and flowers? It's true. And the use of genuine wax on floors is also for protection. When you put Johnson's wax on your floors, you're protecting them against scratches, stains, and wear of all kinds. The wax coat is a glowing shield of protection. 
And just as rubbing the apple made it more beautiful, polishing your floors with genuine Johnson's wax adds greatly to their beauty. And for that matter, to the beauty of your entire home. And there's a third reason for Johnson waxing your floors. It saves you work all year. Does away with tiresome floor scrubbing. And besides floors, there are 100 extra uses for Johnson's wax in your home. May I urge you to buy some tomorrow? For the last few years, a certain citizen of Wistful Vista has been quietly collecting bottles. If you can collect bottles quietly. And here, loading his loot into the car to take it downtown and sell it, we find that collector of infernal residue and his patient spouse, River McGee and Molly. Thank goodness that's about all. Ain't got room for many more in that back seat. Hand me that last carton, will you, Molly? Thanks. You're welcome, dearie. Now you can do something for me. Sure, what? Look, mm-hmm. since 1938, you carefully saved every bottle that came into the house. Yeah. And I never asked you why. I was never one to pry into your private life. If you wanted to collect bottles or buttons or, or butterflies or, or baboons, it was all right with me. But now I'd like to know what your idea was, and if you don't tell me, I think I'm going to scream! <laughs> Gee, I'm sorry, Molly. I thought all the time you knew I'd been saving those bottles for the refund. The refund? Sure. Instead of trotting down to the grocery every day with two ginger ale or root beer bottles and coming home with a dime, I thought I'd save them for a couple of years and really collect some dough. Catch on to it? Well, heavenly days. And how much do you expect to get for the lot, me bowl, financier? Well, averaging two cents per bottle, and I got exactly 537 bottles, I figure I'll get about 11 bucks. And that ain't hay. <laughs> and to think how many glass blowers have been wasting their breath when they might have been learning the piccolo. <laughs> $11 for three years' work. What do you mean, three years' work? It ain't been work. What? It's been fun. What do you mean? It's been my hobby. It's, it's kept me off the streets. <laughs> Well, uh, where are you taking them? Grocery store. You want to go along? I wouldn't miss it for a 40-acre farm with Clark Gable as hired man. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I'm in. Well, where'll I sit? You got both seats full of bottles. Well, uh, sit up in front there. You can make a kind of a little nest among the root beer and ginger ale bottles. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> they were soft drinks, so I ought to be quite comfortable. <laughs> now, don't, don't, don't bust any of them. I, I got a lot of time and money in this stuff. You got a lot of water in them, too. Something's dripping down my neck. That's <laughs> uh, just the rinse water. Somebody ain't quite dry yet. Some of them ain't. Well, here we go. Hey there, Johnny! Hello, daughter! Oh, hello there, Mr. Oldtimer. If you're going downtown, would you mind if I rode as far as... <whistles> hey, what you doing, Johnny? Bootlegging? <laughs> no, I ain't bootlegging. I'm taking these bottles back for a refund. That's so. Yep. From the looks of the bottles, you must have threw quite a party, kid. <laughs> Why didn't you invite me? I'm great at parties. 
do card tricks, impersonations, and I can take my vest off without removing my coat. Well, that's very interesting, Mr. Oldtimer, but we didn't give a party. I've been saving these bottles for three years, Oldtimer. What for, Johnny? Well, it's just a hobby with you, Mr. Oldtimer. Haven't you got a hobby? I got two hobbies, daughter. I'm a string saber, and I never step on cracks in the sidewalk. <laughs> well, every man to his taste, Oldtimer. I collect bottles, you collect string. And I've got a blue serge coat that collects lint. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Snooky. But that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> Say. Nothing, Johnny. He just sneered. <laughs> well, I guess you ain't got room enough for me to ride with you, Johnny. I'll walk down to the corner and wait for a streetcar. Why, the streetcars don't go past that corner, Mr. Oldtimer. That's why I like to wait there, daughter. It's quiet. Come <laughs> on. What's the matter with this thing? Started off all right this morning. Dad wrapped the desk. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. Now, don't bother me now on account of... Hey, where'd you get all the bottles, mister? Uh, Criminy, is that ever a snag of them, though? Hey, 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 watch your language there, sis. I got my wife with me. (laughs) Hey, what you gonna do with all the bottles? I'm gonna hmm? take them back to the store for a rebate. Hmm? I says I'm returning them for a rebate. Rebate. You know what a rebate is? Sure I do, I bet you. Uh-huh. It's when you put another worm on the hook. <laughs> but gee, mister, you can't catch enough fish to fill all those bottles. That rat it, sis, I ain't going fishing. Don't you like to fish? Sure I like to fish, but... So do I, mister. Can I go with you? Where? Fishing. I... Look, sis, get this through that little sunbonnet full of sawdust, will you? I ain't going fishing. I know it. Well... Why? Because in the first place, I ain't got time, and in the second place, the season ain't open, and in the third place, I don't want to. And in the fourth, fifth, and sixth places, I got to take these bottles back. What for? For a rebate. Well, I guess this is where I came in, and my mama doesn't like to have me stay through two shows. So long, mister.
Molly, here's the grocery store. All right, dearie. And believe me, it'll be a relief to get up off of these things. Well, so come why? Well, there were three mustard bottles leering at me like I was a piece of corned beef. Now, let's see. I'll take a few samples in first. Now, let me see. One ginger ale, one ketchup, one grape juice, one root beer, one horseradish. That ought to give them an idea. Yeah. It'd give me one if I was them, but I hope they don't think of it. Well, good luck to you, dearie. Thanks. I'll be back in just a minute, and you can help me carry in the rest of the... Whoa! <coughs> that ratted bud, why don't you look where... Oh, hi, Nick. Well, for scream's sakes, Fisher, excuse me for being such a big clumsy, I guess my feet are all thumb. Oh, don't... <laughs> don't worry about the bottles you broke, Mr. DePopolis. They were just a handful of empties. Oh, is that so? I'd have got at least 11 cents refund on them bottles. You gonna pay me for them, Nick? Smartly. How much? Well, I think he said 11 cents, Mr. DePopolis. Oh, sure. Well, here's two bits apiece, Peter. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I can't make change. Well, take the quarter, McGee, and I'll give Mr. DePopolis three more bottles. Here, Mr. DePopolis, here's your change. Oh, thank you. Hey. <laughs> this is being a lot of fun, Cupid. Here's two dollars. Give me some more. Hey, and hey, some hey, hey. <laughs> Cut that out. You think I want to get pinched for all this broken glass all over the sidewalk? Lay off, DePopolis. Huffy duckly, Fisher. And look, Mrs. DePopolis is telling me to ask you if you are caring to stop at our house some nights this week for a game of compact bridge, don't do it because she hates bridge. Salam, Fisher. Salam, <laughs> Now, McGee, don't step in any of that broken glass. I already did. Oh, dear. Let me see it. Maybe yeah. I can... That's all right. I stepped in some iodine, too. <laughs> It's funny, that got a big laugh last week. <laughs> oh, well. Well, come on, Molly, hold the door open for me. All right. Hi, Mr. Sale. Can you... Be with you in just a minute, Mr. McGee. I'm waiting on a customer. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else, Mr. Wilcox? Well, uh, let me think. Uh, oh, yes, I want a small box of curry powder. And uh, send all this stuff right over to my apartment. Will you please? Oh, you who, Mr. Wilcox? Hi, Harlow. What was that stuff you just asked for? Well, hello, folks. I just asked for a small box of curry powder. Curry powder? Shucks, you never told us you had a horse, Harlow. <laughs> Why, I... I haven't. This is the powder I put in the sauce when I make curry. You. You mean you cook, Mr. Wilcox? Why, sure. Doesn't fibber? He does not. And I wouldn't think of letting him mess up my kitchen either. Why, Molly, I'm ashamed of you. What? Why, there's no excuse for husbands not messing around in the kitchen these days if they want to. What if they do mess up the floor? Excuse us, folks, but this is the part of the thing that pays for the stuff. <laughs> what you mean, Harlow? Well, I mean about... <laughs> I mean about the linoleum being properly protected with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. The no-rubbing, no-buffing polish that shines as it dries. 
And what well-kept kitchen floor isn't in these modern times? Why, what if the old man does spill a gob of gravy or a splatter of hen fruit on the floor? Oh, Who cares? It can be wiped up in a jiffy with a damp cloth. Say, that'd be a great premium to give away with every can of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, wouldn't it? Wouldn't what? A jiffy. A pearl-handled jiffy to wipe the spots off the floor. <laughs> that be swell? Oh, don't be silly. Oh, don't you be silly. Excuse me, Mr. McGee, you're next. Oh, thanks, Mr. Sale. Well, we'll see you later, Wilcox. And keep your curry up, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> Yeah, stop in at our house sometime. I'll fry you a nice batch of stupefied Crandall whims. <laughs> With raisins. You, you like them? I love them. If they're fried in deep, fat. <laughs> now then, uh, what was it for you, Mr. McGee? I, I want a refund on these bottles. Now, let me see. There's a penny coming on the route here. Nickel on the ginger ale. What's this? Oh, that's a horseradish bottle. So it's all washed and sterilized. Sorry, no refund on those. Well, uh, how about the grape juice? We don't carry that brand anymore. Uh, the mustard? Nope. Just on the root beer and ginger ale. Here's ten cents. Oh, hey, wait. I got a car full of them outside, but Just wait till I run... Wait a minute, Mr. McGee. Huh? How many root beer and ginger ale bottles have you? Oh, I'd say about 170, which would come to about 575. Yeah. But you... Oh, no, you don't. Huh? You haven't bought a dozen bottles of that stuff from me in five years. Take them back where you got them. This is a grocery, not a junkyard. Now, you look here, Mr. Sale. If that's the way you're going to act, you're liable to lose our account. Mrs. McGee, I've been trying to lose your account ever since you opened it. <laughs> it's more butter than it's worth. Oh, yeah? Well, it'll be all right with us, too, Sally. Sure, that last spinach you sent us had so much sand in it, I had to eat it with a niblick. <laughs> <laughs> but, Mr. Sale, why has our account been so much trouble? I'll show you. Look, here's your last order slip. Our delivery truck went clear across town. To bring you one egg, two apples, four macaroons, and a box of toothpicks. Say, who ordered those toothpicks? <laughs> I did, Molly. What for? Well, I was working on my ship model, and I ran out of lumber. <laughs> well, okay, but if that's the way you feel about it, give me my dime for these two bottles. <laughs> now look what you've done. You've got broken glass all over my rhubarb. Oh, my. Get out of here, and don't come back. Oh, but look, I got a car full of bottles that I've been saving. I to... don't care if you've got a prairie schooner full of platinum. I don't want it. Go away! <laughs> Home? No. Where? Drugstore. Oh. <laughs> Furthermore, Mr. Kramer, if I'd ever suspected you wasn't going to make good on them bottles, I'd have never bought all my postage stamps in your drugstore. What'd he say? Shook his head. What'd you do? Shook my fist. What'd he do? Shook a shotgun. What'd you do? Shook. Sis, I got these bottles here a while back, and I'd like to get a refund. Sorry, sir. That was when we run to the NRA. No refunds now. Oh, but I want my dime. You can't have it. You've washed off the little blue eagle. <laughs> hey, bud. I got a few bottles. Sorry, I've taken the place. <laughs> Thank you.
look, mister, I've been, I've been everywhere in town. Do you refund money on... I'm not beat it! Well? Yeah, I guess I'm a chump, Molly. It's no use. Chucks, I thought I had a swell idea collecting these bottles, but, well, I guess I, I flopped. Oh, now, now, don't take it to heart, dearie. Everybody sticks their neck out now and then. Yeah. That's why they have portholes on both. <laughs> yeah, but Chuck, who did... Oh, there you are, Miss McGee. I have been looking all over Wistful Vista for you. Hi, Abby. Hello, Abigail. What was it you wanted? Well, someone told me that Mr. McGee had several hundred old bottles he wanted to sell, and I was so afraid he disposed of them before I found him. Well, there's no use in crying. What? What did you say, Abby? She sounds like an angel in disguise, McGee, and one of the cleverest disguises I ever saw. (laughs) You mean you want to buy these bottles, Abby? Indeed I do, Miss McGee. How many have you? Why, why about 500. Oh, splendid, splendid. Oh, what a lucky girl I am, really. 500 perfectly good bottles. <laughs> oh, uh, but I warn you, Miss McGee, I drive a hard bargain. Well. I'm offering you $50 for the entire lot. Heavenly days, $50. Well, 60 then. Oh, now, wait a minute, Uppy. That's ridiculous. Why, when I tell you how much I expected to get for these bottles, you... Well, $75, and that is my final offer. Sold to the lady in the prematurely gray fur coat. Say, I don't quite... This is so sudden, I... Uh, look, uh, what do you want these bottles for, Uppy? Uh, don't you wish you knew, you clever boy? Oh, <laughs> hey, you know the old saying, ask me no questions, and I'll tell you no anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, here, Miss McGee, here's the $75, oh, thanks. and you may dump those bottles in my backyard any time today. Oh. Pinch me, McGee. Out! Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Abigail. Oh, no, thank you. And now, to celebrate the deal, I insist on taking you to dinner at the 400 Club. What? Oh, come now. I shan't take no for an answer. Well, there's no danger of you getting it for an answer, Mrs. Uppington. <laughs> I should say not. I suddenly got an appetite that would make a steam shovel lower its bucket in shame. Climb <laughs> in, Uppy. Let's go. Oh, but where shall I sit, Mr. McGee? Here, I'll make room for you, Abigail. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh what fun, really? <laughs> Ain't it, though? <laughs> well, here we go. And don't let the horse radish get smart with you, Abigail. The King's Men singing The Covered Wagon Rolled Right Along. Oh, the covered wagon rolled right along, while the pioneers gave out a happy song. Me and Pappy did the driving, Mammy cooked and kept us driving, and the covered wagon rolled right along. We left Kentucky on the 10th of May. Pappy said, I'll get our fiddles every day. Every day. Mammy, you just grease the skillet. If we need some food, I'll kill it. And the covered wagon rolled right along. Pappy's pants were made from skins of buffalo. Poor buff. But when winter came and brought the ice and snow, cold and rough. Pappy's pants ran out of leather. 
be great for milder weather and the covered wagon roll right along. Once a wildcat jumped at Mammy from the rear. Mammy winked an eye and said, now don't you fear. If he really tries to crowd her, we'll be having wildcat chowder and the covered wagon roll right along. Now at playing poker, Pappy won his fame. Once he got an Indian chief into a game. Pappy wound up with four deuces and a squall with six papooses and the covered wagon rolled right along. Pappy sold a mule and then went on a spree. And he said, at last I got my liberty. <laughs> Mammy said, cut out your bragging. And she hitched him to the wagon and the prairie schooner rolled right along. Now at last, old California came in view. And we realized the troubles we've been through. Me and Ma are lucky creatures. Pappy's making western features. And the covered wagon rolls and rolls right along. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, what a day. <laughs> you know, Molly, for a while there today, I almost begun to have doubts if I could sell them bottles. <laughs> hey, what on earth do you suppose Mrs. Uppington wants them for? I don't know, but I, you know, I kind of regret leaving them go at 75 bucks. I wish I'd asked 100. Well, you know, it cost her almost that anyway. I saw the bill she signed for dinner at the 400 Club. Yeah? You know how much? No. $22. $22? Oh, that couldn't be just for that one meal for the three of us. She must be bored in there by the week. <laughs> no, sir. It was nearly $7 apiece. And say, that was a mighty nice di dinner, too, wasn't it? I thought you said it wasn't so hot. Well, that was before I knew it cost seven bucks. <laughs> and I still say, though, that that was the worst cider I ever drunk. You do? <laughs> that wasn't cider. That was champagne. It was? I thought the waiter said his mother made it. No, he did not. He said it was mom. <laughs> Who's that? Search me. Better get that $75 out of sight. Come in. Well, hello there, folks. How's every little thing? Why, just wonderful, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, better than they've been for a long time, Gildy, old man. Uh, really? Why, certainly. Well, well, that, that's fine, McGee. I, uh, I just stopped in, McGee, to ask you if you could, uh, get into one of my suits. Why, we could both get into one of your suits. <laughs> Why should we? Why, sure, he's got clothes of his own. Yes, yes, I know, but I thought that, well, I, uh, the, how you fix the groceries, McGee. Grocery? Hey, what is this? Wait a minute. First you offer me your old clothes, then you offer us food. That rat of Gildersleeve, if you think for one no, minute... No, no, no. Take it easy, little chum. Take it easy. <laughs> it's no disgrace to be poor. Oh, I'll say it isn't. What are you driving at anyway, you big baboon? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, look here, little pal. Why don't you let me make you a small loan? Sort of ties you over until... That rat of Gildersleeve, you cut that out. I don't want any money, and I don't want any clothes, and I don't want any groceries. Well, 
shucks, anybody think we didn't know where the next meal was coming from? Well, do you? <laughs> What's that? Now, Mrs. McGee, maybe I can talk sensibly with you. I know all about it. Mrs. Uppington told me. She told you what, Gildersleeve? About how she got word that you had your car full of junk and trying to sell it. <laughs> Imagine Pipper McGee, my pal, my neighbor, reduced to selling old bottles. Why didn't you let somebody know, McGee? We'd all been glad to help you. Well, of all the... Well, I'll be... It's all right, chum. We won't say a word about this outside. But when Mrs. Uppington told me, she felt so sorry for you that she took you in and bought you a warm meal. <laughs> then paid you $75 for a useless ton of old bottles. Well, that got me, McGee. Oh, so that's why she... Oh! That does it. That absolutely does it. Molly, never let me see another bottle in this house as long as I live. There's only one bottle left in the house, dearie. Well, where is it? Upstairs. Well, go get it and throw it away. Impossible. Why? Uncle Dennis won't let go of it. You know, Molly, what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to buy Gildersleeve a big, expensive present just because he tried to be so nice to us. Yeah? Mrs. Uppington was nice to me. Yeah? Though she didn't have to run and tell Mr. Gildersleeve about it. No, but I certainly give her a lot of credit. You're going to pay the money right back, aren't you? No. For that, she's got to give me a lot of credit. Good night. <laughs> Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Sherlock Holmes, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joe Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.